going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Café con Leche, where I believe that the best conversations happen over a cup of coffee, or if coffee's not your thing, you know, whatever your thing is. Um, but I'm excited about today's conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for t- for continuing to support this podcast and listening to each episode. Um, as I mentioned in earlier podcasts, um, the goal of this, this year doing these um podcasts and interviews was to sit down with other individuals and to learn from them. And uh, we've already done another, you've heard another testimony. And today you're going to hear a testimony from someone who's very special to Brianna and myself. Um, his name is Tony, and he's going to share what God has done in his life. And And I remember when I originally sat down with him, we were over at his house um, and we had some dinner and we had an opportunity to sit down and hear his testimony. And it just stirred my heart for the Lord. And so I believe that that's going to take place today. So I'm excited for you to listen to Tony. Tony, thank you so much for being on the podcast today man oh man it's an honor and a privilege brother man i i remember being over your house and just hanging out with you and our families getting to meet each other and there was so much happening man you saw my baby girl was doing everything she was doing at the table being wild and crazy and uh we just had a good time so i appreciated you having us over to your house and i appreciate you being on the podcast today i know it takes time so thank you thank you thank you for your time today man Absolutely. All right. So Tony, here's what I'm thinking, man, so that people get to know you a little bit more. We're going to ask you some fun questions and then I'm going to give you a chance just to share a little bit about you. You can share, you know, about your family and what you're doing currently, and then we'll go into your testimony. So, but let's start with some, some fun questions. Okay. And whatever comes to mind, you go ahead and share it. All right. So what is your favorite book? So, um, this is a tough question, man, because I have a lot of books and a lot of really good books, a lot of really good books, but written by a lot of really good authors. And so I tried to, I broke it down into, there's four books I got. Okay. Two, like all times, and then two currents. So my two all times, um, it's a book called by Lee Cockrell. It's called Creating Magic. Uh, he was the vice president of Disney World. And what he did is it just gives you a whole uh way of how they invited guests into their environment. It's a really good book. Um, and it really helped us uh, shape our culture of how we want to receive uh, not 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 just new guests, but any guests coming into our ministry area. That's awesome. Yeah. The other one is by Andy Stanley, and it's um, communicating for a change. Uh, I love his how he breaks down how to preach a sermon and his allegory that he gave in the beginning about that truck driver uh, helped me uh, as I'm preaching begin to be able to dispel information the way that people how how they receive information so those two are like my like some of my all-time favorites and then uh right now things that i'm reading right now that have just really you know slapped me upside the head um patrick lencioni's the advantage it's a little older book um but it's a really good read and then um it's uh man i I, to go it's designed to lead as the other book, it's actually one of the classes that I'm taking. Uh, we're using that as a course material, and it is it's definitely has altered my view on how we should be doing ministry. So I'm I'm actually battling through that right now. Wow, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I yeah. I love reading. I love being able to take in yeah. um, someone's perspective or things that they've learned, leadership principles, especially those books like you mentioned, like it smacks you upside the head. Oh, yeah. I love that. And it's books that, you know, like God takes it and he's just speaking to your heart in that moment. Um, So I appreciate you sharing those. All right. So another question. What is your biggest leadership pet peeve? (laughs) Man, I I am a servant leader by by nature and by heart. Like I 
I have the spiritual gift of helps. Like I love helping people. And uh, something that really, really bothers me is when people, they come out of their way and they're all puffed up to help and they'll help for like 37 seconds and be visible. And then they'll get a phone call, a magic phone call, or they'll have to go take care of something else and totally leave. And that absolutely drives me crazy. Or when, you know, and, and not saying like a pastor shouldn't mop, but you know, we made a mess on the floor one night at our youth, our youth group. And I had a couple of my leaders standing there while I was mopping. They were just standing there watching me. I'm like, they went, they didn't wipe the table off. And I mean, I, I have no problem. I'll mop the floor and I'll wipe the table and I'll put everything away while you stand there and watch me. But it drives me crazy, man. Mm-mm. So Yeah, Mm-mm, I hear that. I hear that. That'll get me frustrated real quick. All right. Next one. What is your favorite hobby? So I'm actually in between hobbies right now. Um, I was an avid bowler before COVID. Okay. Uh, I was, I had a 197 average and uh, I really enjoyed bowling. I was bowling me. It was like my dad and I uh, hang out time. So we, we weren't even on the same team, but it was, a, it was a chance to see my dad very close to my dad. Um, chance to hang out with him once a week and do something that we both like. But after COVID, I just haven't gone back to the bowling alley. So I'm in between hobbies. Okay. Okay. Well, bowling's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I'm not good at it, but bowling's pretty cool. <laughs> it uh, took me a while. It took a, it's, it's not something that you just hop because I'm pretty athletic and, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at most sports. Like, and I can hold my own in sports, but when I started bowling, I was absolutely terrible. You have to, you have to take, you really have to, to learn what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's these very small micro adjustments that you have to make. And so, yeah, it's pretty fun though. Yeah. I, I, admire, I admire a good bowler. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite junk food? Ooh, anything with cheese. Like I could eat a block of cheese myself. I would rather eat cheese than pretty much anything else. <laughs> cheese is good. Man. Good stinky cheddar or, you know, I don't know. Something like a brick of cheese. I can just cut off a chunk and eat it. This may not have been cheese. What was that thing we ate at your house that we just could not? Yeah, eat? that was goat cheese. Goat cheese. My goodness, man. That stuff. But it Blueberry. was a Blueberry goat cheese. Yeah, that's, that was so good. I have another one at my house. <laughs> Let's go. Very good, sir. Yes, that stuff was delicious. You heard it here. Goat cheese. Blueberry go- goat cheese. Go Blueberry goat cheese on a cracker. Ooh. Nothing like it. It'll bless your life. Um, all right, last one. Uh, what's your favorite Netflix show or any show? So uh, I don't know about Netflix show because they, they revolve so, so much. But something that I have been watching for a very long time uh, and I'm not even like really a history buff, but I really got into this show. It's called The Curse of Oak Island. Okay. I don't know if you've heard about it before. Mm-mm. There is an island up in Nova Scotia. It's shaped like an elephant. And people have been digging there for like 200 some years looking for a treasure. And this, uh, these two brothers, uh, their, their last name is Lagina. And they bought the island. They're very wealthy business owners and they're treasure hunters. And they have been digging and they're finding things that are 200 feet below the surface of this small little island. It's like a 30, 40 acre island. They're finding human bones 200 feet below the surface. They're finding coins, parchment paper, pieces of paper under 200 feet below the surface. What is, what the heck is that doing there? So I have been so intrigued about, and it's not like a, you can tell it's not scripted. They're, they're not actors like these people. And I've watched interviews with them. They said they only agreed to do the show for discovery if they did it their way. Like there's no like drama or, Oh my gosh. I mean, they'll hold off like, Hey, we have a big discovery find out next week. So they, that's how they get you to come back every week. 
Um, but there's no there's no drama in the show. I mean, it's them just digging in dirt and like surveying and plots and visiting other countries and connecting a bunch of dots. They found a, a lead cross on the island. Um, they're saying it's from like the 1300s, wow. and it's part of part of the uh, uh, um, there's like Rosicrucians and the uh, Knights Templar people. Like I don't know, it's just it's fascinating because it's all holy relics. They they believe that there are um, holy relics buried on this island, and they they feel like they have proof that there is something. They know something's buried under there's there's too much evidence of why is this bunch of stuff 200 feet below the surface on this tiny little island. So it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Wow, it sounds like a pretty good show to just stumble yeah. upon, man. That's sounds yeah. interesting. It's been about eight or nine years I've been watching this show, like completely invested in. Oh my goodness! They have, spent, they have spent millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out what's going on on this island. Oh my goodness! Eight or nine years, you are committed. Yes, you're in it. Very good. I'm a committed person. Very Once good. I find something I like, I stick with it. Right. Okay. Very good. Well, I love it, man. I appreciate you answering those. Just some fun questions. Get to know you a little yeah. bit. And um, then, Tony, I'm going to have you share just a little bit about you. And then if yeah. you wouldn't mind, dive into um, you know, your testimony. And just so everyone knows, we're going to make it yeah. really like a conversation. So as you're kind of telling your story, um, I may chime in and ask a few questions. There'll probably be some moments where I'm just quiet for a while, just listening to you tell yeah. your testimony. But tell us a little bit about you, and then let's dive into your story. So uh, my name is Tony Andriola. I am currently a full-time children's pastor. I'm a full-time father of four kids. Uh, I have a 14-year-old son, a 13-year-old daughter, an 8-year-old daughter, and a 4-year-old son. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Jamie, for 16 years. We just celebrated our 16-year wedding anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yep. Doing some uh, graduate school work right now at Southeastern University. Um, so I guess if you could you know, go back to what's my hobby my hobby is writing papers right now. So there's a lot of papers to be uh, wrote. So that, that kind of is my hobby right now, getting, um, my, finishing my master's degree and uh, seeing what's next after that. Congratulations. I really, I, I do want to say this. I, that's a really big deal, um, especially because I've, I've thought of, you know, continuing schooling and I'm always like, well, yeah. you know, I got kids and this and, but there's no excuse, man, especially you've got, you said, mentioned four kids and yeah, you're married kids. and you're in ministry mm -hmm. and you're doing it, man. So that's a big deal, man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks, man. I got, <clears throat> uh, Jamie is super supportive on this uh, for the last almost four years. Um, Tuesday nights are just I, I come home for dinner and then I, I, I go back to my office to get all my coursework done. She, so she's, she's understood the, the sacrifice of what I wanted to do for my life and to better our family uh, with education. But yeah, for the last almost four years, Tuesdays are pretty much, and unless it's something special, Tuesdays are off limits. Like I'm in my office on my computer till the wee hours of the morning writing papers and studying and reading and all that stuff. I do stuff during the week too, but Tuesday is like my big night to get like the big projects and stuff done. Wow, man. So. That's awesome. Sweet, man. Well, let's go ahead and let's dive in and uh, hear about your testimony, man. Again, I, it really just stirred my heart for the Lord uh, to hear what he's done in your life and yeah. what he's continuing to do, because obviously it's not over yet. Your story is not over yet, and, and he's yeah. using you and working in you. So um, share with us a little bit about your testimony. Yeah, man. So uh, I grew up in a really awesome family. My mom and dad were super supportive, super loving. Uh, my dad was my coach. Uh, my mom was my cheerleader. So, I mean, I had a really great family. I had a really great sister. Um, and I really didn't treat my family very well. Uh, my sister would do anything for me. If I was sick, she was the one taking care of me. 
Um, just really great family. Uh, but for whatever reason, I got caught up with the wrong kids and started experimenting a little bit with drugs. And then after a while, I became the wrong kid. Because um, most people, when I do share my testimony, they'll they'll jump to the conclusion, oh, my, you must, have, you must have had a really rough childhood and, you know, probably a product of a single family. And I'm like, no, actually, quite the contrary. My mom and dad are together. To, they're still married, still love each other. They hold hands when they go out. Um, they're very much in love. They they loved uh, my sister and I, um, parented us well, you know, corrected us well, believed in us. I just got caught up with the wrong people and then I became the wrong person. Um, I influenced a lot of people the wrong way and really, uh, you know, the saying misery loves company. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to do it myself because so I would get other people to to get high with me. And after a while, it, it turned more of I wouldn't even say it, I was a full-blown addict. I would say that, but I would say it was more of a medication for myself. Mm. Um, it was an escape from reality. Um, I got to the place where I didn't like myself anymore. Uh, I flunked out of college the first time around. I, I had um, scholarship opportunities for different sports, for golf and baseball. And I had a spot on, I actually was one of the, I was a starting baseball. I was a, I was a starter on the baseball team and I only played for a couple of weeks and I quit. So, and then that team went on to win the junior college world series two years in a row, the two years that I would have been there. Um, the golf coach would call my dad every day. Like, I don't know why he's not showing up for practice. I, I, I just, I, I got to, I was such in a, such a dark place in my life that I, I really, the only thing that made me happy was getting high. And it got to a place where my parents would actually be able to tell if I wasn't high, because they would say something's what's wrong with you, something's wrong with you today. So it wasn't even like the party atmosphere. I wasn't even into partying as much. And I, I mean, I still partied. Um, but it was literally like self medication every day just to deal with, with the the way that I felt in my life that I thought I was so depressed, that I felt like the only thing that made me feel worth anything was getting high. Wow. So yeah. And then, uh, it was uh, 2004, my grandmother got diagnosed with cancer and, you know, she was like the, the glue of our family and the most loving person you would ever meet in your life. And uh, she got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the doctors were telling us, you know, if, if you have to pick cancer, this is the cancer that you pick because everybody beats it. But my grandma didn't. And my grandma passed away two days after Christmas. And that's my favorite, my absolute favorite time of the year is Christmas. And, you know, two days after Christmas, she passes away. And I remember I was just, I was just fed up. Um, it was, it was about a month and a half after that, that I, I would like to say I hit rock bottom, but you know, if, if you're a believer, you understand now that we build our foundation on the rock. Mm -hmm. I, I was not on a rock. I was on a, I was on a pile of sand because everything I tried to make, everything I tried to do just kept crumbling around me. Nothing, nothing was sufficient. I ended up, I was, um, before I went to college or right after I went to college, I got a job. Uh, my friend got me a job and it was like three and a half years of stupid odds and jobs. I quit that job, go to another job, another job, another job. I ended up back there. And I remember one day I'm like, wow, I would be graduated. I would be out of college right now with a degree. And I'm making like $7 and 50 cents an hour at this really crummy job. And I just absolutely hated myself. And it got to the point where I just was hoping that I wouldn't wake up anymore. Um, 
I, I did, I just didn't want to be here anymore. I mean, my family still loved me and all that stuff. I just, it was just darkness. And I remember one day I, I was just so done. And I told God, I said, listen, if you're real, um, you know, I obviously, I believe that there's something out there, uh, but I had no relationship. Um, I just said, Jesus, God, whoever you are, if you're real, come and get me. Uh, you, you obviously know if you're really God that I'm done. I'm serious. I need something. I need you. And that was it. And three days later, a uh, gentleman I worked with, his name was Jim. He came up to me and told me, he said, hey, man, uh, I don't know if you want to do this or not, but uh, my pastor uh, commissioned us to pray for one person and invite them to church. And he goes, every time I would pray, I kept seeing your face. And he said, uh, would you come to church with me? So this is three days after I prayed that prayer. And uh, I told him, I was like, yeah, man, I would love to go to church with you. And he kind of looked at me, but he had that bewildered look on his face. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'll, I will go to church with you. And he's like, oh, okay. I was not expecting that, but <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. So he gave me the details and told me where, where to meet him. And he would meet me there. And brother, I walked into that church and the first, there was like, you know, double set of doors, the first set of doors that I walked into, man, it was like, I took a breath for the first time I was being born for the first time. And then the second set of doors, it was like, I got to make the decision that I was walking through the doors myself. It felt like the only way I could describe it is if I was being drug along that I was chained up my whole life and there, and my body was just on autopilot. And my mind was in a jail cell this whole entire time, all the whole 20, the 24 years that I had been alive up till then. And I walked through those doors and it was like, I came out of this cage and we, I made our, we made our way to the pew and the worship leader hit the guitar. He was just like, bring. And that's all I remember. And I just wept and wept and wept. And I remember grabbing my buddy, Jim, and I tugged on his shirt and I was like, dude, uh, what's wrong with me, man? And he looked over he kind of did like the, the double take, like, oh, oh my gosh. He's like, man, he said, wow, brother, the Holy Spirit is all over you. And I'm like, is that bad? Like, is that, is that bad? So I didn't know. I had no idea anything what he was talking about. All I know is I, my, my shirt was actually soaked with tears. I'm not, it wasn't just tears. It was like, it was almost like a cleansing, man. If I, it was like 24 years of filth just coming out of my eyes mm -hmm. and they were coming out in sheets. I could feel them just like dripping off my chin and just sticking on my shirt. Like, you know, when you're, when you're running and you have like that V on your, on your chest, oh, yeah. like I'm telling you, man, it was like a V of, but it was tears. And I don't remember one thing the pastor said, I didn't go to the altar. There was none of that. I just knew that I was different. I knew that something happened that day and I knew my life was different. And the next day I went to that same crummy job and I remember leaving and I, I was trying to get high and I was driving down the road and I was driving with my knee, which is not safe. Um, but when you're, you know, 24, you're invincible and you know everything. So I'm driving down the road and I'm trying to get high and I go to put it towards my mouth, the bowl towards my mouth. And I felt a hand on my wrist. And I mean, I could feel like the fingers grab my wrist, the pressure of the hand. And I'm trying to push the bowl towards my mouth. 
And then I, and I was like, well, I'll just move my, my head forward. If you're going to do that, I'll block me this way. I'm going to come out. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I feel another hand on my forehead, holding my head back. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I hear this real still small voice just said, pray. And I'm like, pray, pray what? I don't know how to pray. I, I know the, the, our father, the hail Mary and the glory be. I'm like, one of those, there's one of those good. Like, should I do that? Just pray. I was like, all right, I'll give it my best shot. And I was like, uh, Jesus, if you're real and like, whatever happened, whatever that was that happened yesterday, I know it's different and I'll be like a Christian or whatever you want me to be. But if you're real and, and all that was real, you'll know that I don't waste stuff. And you know, I would never, ever throw this away. I said, if you're real, help me dump this out and throw this away. I unpacked the bowl, opened my window, threw it out my window, grabbed the whole bag, dumped the whole entire bag out of my window. And, and I'm, and I'm, I am dumbfounded driving down the road going, I cannot believe I just did that. I, I cannot, but that was, and it wasn't me. It was like somebody else did it for me, but I, but I chose to do it because I would never, ever waste anything. And, you know, I, I also chewed snuff at the time too. And, you know, I worked on, you know, working on farms, you, they, they, when you're younger, they're like, put this in your mouth, put a dip in. (laughs) So I chewed for a long time and I grabbed that. I'm like, well, surely I can at least, I can at least, you know, chew some snuff. So I went to pack the can of snuff and my wrist wouldn't work. There was like, it was locked. Like my wrist would not work at all. And it's the same thing. I hear that just pray. And I'm like, all right. I said the same prayer, dumped the whole can of snuff. I didn't litter. Just so everybody knows I never littered. I brought everything back into my car um, and the can and the baggie and stuff like that. And I put it in the garbage, went immediately into my room, got all of my paraphernalia, anything that I had, anything that I owned that was part of that life. And I got a big black garbage bag and I'm, I needed a big black garbage. This is how, how I, I was a mess. Hmm. I got a big black garbage bag and just filled it up with junk from that life. All my bowls, all my pipes, everything that I owned, anything that I could find that wasn't good. I threw it in a bag and my dad actually came in. He goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting rid of it, dad. I'm getting rid of everything. And my parents knew that you know that I was living that life but I found out later that they were my, my dad tried to kick me out of the house but my mom wouldn't let me um because they had uh she said I, I I'm fearful if if we kick him out that you're going to like something was going to happen to you so um I they didn't kick me out he they knew it was going on they didn't support it and didn't allow it but at the same time um, they didn't, you know, all that happened. So I'm, I'm throwing it all the way. I, he's like, why don't you at least sell some of it? I'm like, I can't, I can't sell any of it, dad. I, I, I have to get rid of it. And, um, so throw it in the dumpster or throw it in my garbage can, get rid of it. I'm, I'm done. And about, uh, um, he, about a week later, um, my friend calls me up and he's like, Hey, uh, I got some, I got some stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 man, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm a Christian now. And he's like, no, 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 man, come on. You, you, you got to try it, man. I'm like, no, no, no. So make a long story short. I go to his house. We're, we're supposed to hang out and play some Madden football and make a long story short. Like I said, I, I ended up getting high and I totally freaked out. I freaked out on him. And I'm like, something's wrong. 
Um, I'm so sorry. I'm getting like a bunch of phone calls here right now. Um, uh, get high, totally freak out on him. And I, I just left. I got in my car. I started driving. And I remember putting it in third gear. And all of a sudden, like everything stopped. And the Lord spoke to me and he told me, he said, do you see how you, how you feel right now? And I'm like, yes. And he said, do you understand how nasty and disgusting and gross and all that stuff, how you feel right now? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I do. He said, Tony, this is how you felt your entire life. However, I cleaned you and I made you a new creation. So I, I didn't know any Bible. I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew no Bible verses at all. He said, I cleaned you and I made you a new creation, but you went back and you returned back to your old ways. And I learned now it's like a dog returning to his vomit. So he said, you, you feel like this because this is the human condition. This is what sin feels like. This is the, the dirtiness of sin. And uh, he said, I'm going to make you clean again, but I didn't, I wanted this, I allowed this to happen so that you would never turn back, that you would never wonder if, if it was that big of a deal or if this really happened. So I'm like, okay, so snap, I, like literally I'm in my driveway, stone sober, completely aware of my surroundings. I have no idea how I got home. I don't remember driving. I don't remember anything. All I remember is being in my driveway, stone cold sober. And I'm like, wow, I, uh, I can't believe that just happened walk into my house and that's that was february 15th 2005 and so i've been clean and sober since then so it's been 18 years will be eight yeah i'm not i'm not sure i'm not real good at math i'm a pastor they pay me to teach the bible not to do math that's right <laughs> it's like 18 i think i think this february will be 18 years that's incredible man and it obviously that's something that you've never ever forgotten yeah. And I find it so interesting too, right? You have this encounter with the Lord. You come from um, this life that you've been living and you're in darkness and you're in this place where um, this person that you work with has suddenly invited you to church, which to me reminds me the importance of inviting people to church. Obviously, we take church to them. We oh, yeah. tell them about Jesus, but it doesn't uh, doesn't diminish to the importance of just inviting mm -hmm. someone saying, hey, why don't you come with me? Because they could be at the moment that you found yourself where you were like, absolutely, I yep. need to go. And lo and behold, you go and you have an encounter with the Lord that you really didn't even understand, but you knew something was happening inside yep. you. And I, yep. I, I mean, I, did you, did you answer an altar call? Did you do nothing like that? You just knew you yep. were different. Yep. I find that incredible, man. I find that incredible that it wasn't even that, not that it's the requirement that you have to go forward and you have to pay this prayer, uh, right? I think there's moments and I think there's times where yeah. you feel like I need to go to the front. But for you, man, from the moment you walked in, Jesus touched your life and you yep. knew you were different. And yet at the yep. same time, I, I feel like this could speak to somebody the next day because of where the life you've been living almost instinct took you back to what you've always done and what you've yeah. always done. And I would say that the next day I, during work, I, I would have told you it was fake. Like yes, yesterday wasn't real. That didn't happen. That was a dream. I'm not, yeah, it was, it was the enemy really rushed in to, to make sure that I did not remember the day before. 
And and I've actually had people say that, like, well, didn't you say the sinner's prayer or didn't you do this or didn't you do that? I'm like, well, I said, I think the sinner's prayer part of it was I reached out to God mm. and I said, if you're real, come and get, show me. I asked him to reveal himself to me. And when he did, I believe his love, his overwhelming love was that altar call. My altar call was when I opened the door, when I made the decision to go to church, because I was going to meet Jesus. I wasn't going to church to listen to a sermon. I wasn't going to church because my friend invited me. I wasn't going, I mean, I did go to church because he invited me, but I was going to meet Jesus. Yep. That's, that's, and that's what I've tried to share with people. Like I, I went to church expecting and knowing that I was going to meet Jesus that day. Yeah. And he didn't disappoint. He was right there. As soon as I opened the door, it was like that, that big hug. Like, I love you. And I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. And you sensed it. You sensed it in your heart. And oh, it yeah. just goes to show it's different for every single individual. Right. And, it, and the, it's the fact, too, because it, it, it could be easy to think. Right. Especially after an encounter like that, like, man, Tony, you need to go back and your life needs to be all put together and you need to never want any part of your old life back ever again but that that's that that wasn't necessarily the case part of you went back to doing what you always knew to do or yep. at least you tried and that's what i i i find a, a amazing you you tried and yet now because of this newness in you there was something and for you it was physical right and for yep. another person it might be just inside yep. you sense this is this isn't right anymore this is just, this is kind of foreign to me but for you is literally the lord held your held your wrist Yep. And then he held your head, which again, I think God knows how each person needs to be oh, yeah. dealt with, right? Or treated or loved on or or led, right? Because he is a shepherd. Oh, yeah. Um, but for you, it was the physical, but for someone else, it might be different. But to me, I, I hope that's encouraging to any listener today that's in this process of, you know, something has happened inside, right? You know, something's taking place because I believe God's presence can be sensed. I believe, you know, when something's happening inside you and it's it's of the Lord. And so for, for every person on a journey, um, I feel like they can find encouragement that God deals with each individual differently. And if you sense God speaking to you, right, I think that this speaks to it too. If he's telling you, you feel that something foreign, that it's something yep. you used to do, well, maybe God's saying, don't do that thing anymore, right? Yep. And he'll line it up with your word. And that's what I think is amazing too. Anybody that would try to discredit what the Lord did, right, or how he yeah. spoke to you, or even that ride on the way home after you had given into drugs and yep. he spoke to you and he was actually speaking scripture because God will never oh, yeah. speak anything that's contrary to, your, to his word. Yep. Why yep. would he ever do that? If it wasn't him, he wouldn't speak something that aligns with his word to you. Um, so anyways, I just find it incredible how he moved in your life, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't, because I think someone, right, because I don't know if you've ever felt this way. At least, well, no, for me, I felt this way, right? When I was growing up in church, I was just like, man, I don't have as great a testimony as, or even if I were to hear yours when I was younger, I don't have as great a testimony. Yeah, God hasn't done as much. And that's that's not necessarily true. Like we that's, a, that's a lie, man. That's a, I had a girl. So at the church I was at, when I shared my testimony, so I, I, I you know, this is like a month after uh, I got saved and the pastor asked me to share my testimony and she was probably a youth group girl. Um, maybe she's probably like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. And she came up to me and she was like, wow, your testimony is amazing. She goes, I hope I get have a testimony like that where I do drugs and Jesus gets me off of that. And I, I looked at her, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, listen, you do not want my past. That that was that was there was no fun there. There that wasn't a good time. 
that was yucky. And, and she was like, yeah, but you have such a testimony. And I'm like, listen, I said, you've been serving Jesus how long? She goes, well, since I can remember. I said, so you love Jesus. She mm. said, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I said, you've never turned away from him, right? She's like, oh, no, no, no. I would never do that. I said, do you understand that that's a testimony? Do you know how much bigger of a testimony that is? You knew the truth. You have followed the truth your whole entire life. You've been following Jesus without fault. You've never turned to the left or turned to the right. You have loved Jesus and served him your entire life. I'm like, that is a way bigger testimony than some me screwing up his life or whole and then Jesus coming in and rescuing me. Mm-hmm. She's like, I, I've... I've never looked at it like that before. I'm like, well, of course you wouldn't because the enemy doesn't want you right. to think that you're doing anything right. right. And you are. I mean, you're, I was like, your testimony is powerful. She's like, wow, I never, I didn't realize I had a testimony. I'm like, oh my gosh, your testimony is awesome. That's so awesome, man. And it's so true. I don't, I think the enemy would try to come in and try to discredit what the Lord is doing on our life based on what he may be doing in someone else's life. Yep. Um, man. So I, again, I, and that was just a kind of pause in the, in the midst of your story. I don't want for any listener today to discredit what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing in their life, be it yep. whatever your story, whatever life that you came from, whether it's something like your story, Tony, or, or, or if they, it's something like, you know, my story, whatever story it is, it's the story of your life and it doesn't discredit what God has done in your life, but continue. Yep. Cause I know that there's more to your story. I just, man, I, I find that awesome. How God met you where you were at. You reached out yeah. and he met you. I, so, you know, at the part where you're talking about the physical youth, most people would probably, you know, well, somebody's grabbing my, there's something grabbing my arm. There's something holding me. Mm-hmm. You'd think that would be enough to discourage you. Like I continued on. I was like, Oh, you're like, he, he, I think I think Jesus laughs at us a lot and he's like, wow, you're a determined little guy here. (laughs) I had to to really, really step up and show you. So yeah, man, that was like the first couple of weeks. And then uh, about a a couple of months later, I went to a young adult retreat and this young adult, this weekend was the weekend that completely, man, my life was already changed, but this weekend took it to a whole nother level of unbelievable things that happened. Um, you know, as a, as a new believer, I, I really didn't know a lot of, of, you know, Christian lingo or how, you know, proper, proper prayer posture, proper worship posture, you know, even if there is such a thing. But I remember um, when I would worship, you, like, you've probably seen the funny meme of, you know, the carrying the TV, you know, you put your hands oh, yeah. to your side. And, and that's where I was like, that's as far. I mean, like I would worship and, and I didn't know a lot of, I didn't know any of the songs because, you know, I'm a new baby Christian, but I would just sit there and listen with my, like my eyes closed, but my head like up to, up to heaven and my hands were down at my side. And like, that was, that was like, this is as good as I'm going to do. And I remember in the worship service is, is uh, the worship leader is Charlie Hall. And he said he was in the middle of his song and he stopped, he stopped singing and he goes, man, I really feel like there is a spiritual rope attached to so many people's elbows in here. And the enemy has has locked you so that you can't fully express yourself in worship. And he said, do you know why a little baby points their hands up towards their mom or dad? He said, for one, that's a sign of surrender that they need you. And two, it's because they want to be picked up. They want to be held. 
And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I'm like, you must be talking to other people in here. He's surely not talking to me though. And he said, man, I'm talking to anybody that will not put their hands up. And he's like, everybody put your hands up in the air. And only like a couple people did. He goes, see, that's what I'm talking about. He said, I, in the name of Jesus, I cut this spiritual rope that is holding you guys back from fully engaging in worship. And then my hands went up in the air and I'm like looking at my hands, like, what are you guys doing? Like you, you betrayed me. <laughs> I'm like, get back down here. Everybody's going to look at me. And I'm looking around the room and everybody's doing the same thing. Everyone's looking around the room at their hands, at each other going, what the heck just happened? Mm. How, like, how is this possible? And man, at the, that worship night. So shortly after that, I had never taken communion as a believer. And so my very first time taking communion, um, I, dude, I've, put the, put it in my mouth and I started chewing it. And I, I think I cried harder. I broke harder than I did the day that I gave my heart to Jesus. I was actually laying on the ground and two of the people that I was with saw me laying there and I was crying so hard. Like I was shaking so bad. They thought something was wrong with me and actually drugged me down the aisle to the front of the altar and they're like, somebody needs to pray with this guy. Something's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was just having a moment, man. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm having a moment with, with Jesus right now. I'm like, I cannot believe your love for me. I am so disgusting. I'm such a nasty person. Why would you even love me? And I, and I, I literally couldn't fathom why he would love me. But every time I would, I would question his love. It's like, it's like his, his presence was thicker. His hug was stronger. Mm -hmm. His, his love was more profound and it made me cry even, even harder. So our pastor comes up and he starts praying for me and he's, he laid his hands on my head and he starts praying for me and God gives me this vision. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like, I think it's Superman two, where he flies around the earth and, you know, he's out in the outer atmosphere. I mean, like literally this is how, you know, God speaks to everybody very differently. And I'm very movie oriented. Like I'll, I'll somebody will say a word or a phrase um, and I'll finish it with either a movie quote, a TV show quote, or a, a song lyric. Um, and people, it's, you know, people probably get annoyed with it, but I think it's funny. So God talks to me in like movie quotes, you know, or in like movies. So I'm, I'm all of a sudden he's praying over me and I see like this, this, I'm flying around the earth and I can see the continents. And this is, I mean, this is, this is how I, I know God has a sense of humor. So I see this giant butter knife and a giant jar of peanut butter. And I love peanut butter. And he, he says, I want you to spread the gospel across the world thick, like peanut butter. And as he's speaking, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to analyze this. I'm a very analytical person. I analyze everything. So I'm like peanut butter, peanut butter is very sticky in your mouth it, it's hard to get out of your mouth you know even this even after you after you swallow it your breath still smells very strongly your fingers smell very strongly you're like you don't even touch it you're like how did they even get on my hand but everything smells like peanut butter and as i was thinking this i'm like wow the you want the gospel is thick right and, and he's like i want you to spread the gospel because it's thick and I want you to spread it thick. I want you to be able to preach the gospel, the whole gospel all over the earth. And he goes, and then, so as I'm seeing this, all of a sudden on the continent, I see a, a bunch of people standing in like cornrows. I told you, I grew up on working on farms. 
uh, we had a big corn farm, uh, right like fields of corn right behind my house. We'd go up there and run around in the corn, corn, like, you know, the corn fields and stuff. So it was like people standing in corn fields. And he said, Tony, I want you to set my fields ablaze. And I'm like, set your fields ablaze. Like, what does that even mean? Didn't understand that. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. The, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. He was calling me to be a worker, right? He was saying, I need you to be a worker. I need you to, he says, the, the fields are ready. They're, they're kindled. They are, they are fueled up. They, you know, when you, when you go to make a bonfire, you, you put uh, an accelerant on it, like gasoline or, or something. And, um, you know, you light that match and, you know, mm. and he, like what I was seeing, what he was showing me is people are already their Their logs are soaked in, in gasoline and they're ready. They need somebody to light them on fire. And he said, I, I had this vision of me walking through the fields and just touching somebody and they would catch on fire and those fi that fire would spread. So it wasn't just me spreading it. They began to spread the fire through the oh, fields. Wow. Again, no biblical reference, have no idea. I probably, by that time when I was at that meeting, I probably read a couple of chapters in, in the Bible. So I really didn't have a reference of what, what was being shown to me and, and what I was seeing. So that, that scripture has always stuck into me. You pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is ripe and ready, but the workers are few. And he was calling me into full-time ministry to be a, a uh, minister of the gospel, but it actually took me a long time to get there. But I knew that day that he was calling me to be one of his workers. So it's pretty crazy. And the girl that I'm, I'm hanging out with um, at this conference, uh, you know, we, we both felt that we were supposed to buddy up together. And I told her, I'm like, this isn't like, a, you know, like, I don't want to like date you or anything. She goes, no, I don't want to date you either. Like, I really feel like you're supposed to come with me and I'm supposed to show you. I remember she was like praying out loud. I'm like, oh, you pray out loud? She's like, well, yeah. I mean, this girl was like so bold in her faith. And I'm like, in front of other people, like you just pray out loud and you're okay with that? And she's like, yeah. So we're in like one of these breakout sessions and, and the lady goes, that's teaching the breakout. She goes, um, would anybody like to start us off in prayer? And again, like everybody's like looking around, like, I'm not doing it. Like, no way, dude, I'm not going to pray. She raises her hand. She's like, I'll pray. And she just, you know, crushes this awesome prayer, beautiful prayer. And I'm like, wow, I want that. You know, I'm like, how, how does one do that? Like, how do you get this how aren't you afraid to, to do that? Like you weren't, you weren't even embarrassed. She goes, Oh no, I have boldness in Jesus. Come on. So I'm like, Great. We go, we go out of the, the, that session and we're walking outside and she goes, um, well, I'm going to go spend alone time with, with Jesus. I'm like, great. That, let's go. She's like, no, 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 no. I am going to go spend alone time with Jesus. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, well, I, what do I do? She goes, well, you go spend alone time with Jesus. I don't know what that is. I don't know what alone time with Jesus is. Like, what do you mean? She's like, are you baptizing the Holy Spirit? Mm. I was like, uh, no, I don't know what that is. So she explains to me, you know, baptism, the Holy Spirit. She's like, let me ask you a question. You know, you said you wanted the boldness in there, right? I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to pray. I, I just can't do that. Like I, I would, I would literally just stop talking if I, if somebody asked me to pray like that, she goes, well, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what gives you the boldness. That's what gave the disciples the boldness to go back out and preach. Peter was afraid. They were hiding in the upper room. Jesus told them to go wait there, but they were actually hiding in the upper room praying. They, and they had been on the run from, from the, you know, the government, uh, the Romans, they were, they were looking for them. And Peter walks outside, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, walks outside, 
preaches the best sermon ever and 5,000 people give their hearts to Jesus. And she's explaining all this. And I'm like, oh, like, so you need that. She's like, yeah, it's like you, it's like having a cup and not having any water in it. And I'm like, oh, she's like, yeah, you get the cup, but this is getting the water poured in it. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So she's like, here, read this chapter, read this, you know, find a quiet spot and just pray and ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. I was like, oh, okay. Like, and so nonchalant, because I, I mean, I have seen God do so many crazy things up until now. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's, oh, I guess that's what you do. So I found a little spot. I began to pray or, you know, I'm praying. I'm asking, I'm like, Jesus, I want more. I, I, I want everything that you can give me. I want, I want the boldness to be able to proclaim the, the, you know, if you want me to spread it, the gospel thick like peanut butter, I, I need to have that boldness. You know, I need that fire. And I was like, well, I'm going to pray in tongues. And, and I, and I did. And it's like a little gust of wind hit me in the face. And I'm like, that was weird. And as I prayed in tongues, man, the enemy rushed into my head so fast. And I don't know if you've ever watched like David Letterman, he would give like the top 10 reasons of blah, blah, blah. So it was like the, it was like the enemy taking David Letterman's seat in a, in a, in a talk show and saying the top 10 reasons why you are not baptized in Holy Spirit. And he began to rattle off all these things. Like you, you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're not a Christian. You're actually a devil worshiper. You're in a cult. You spoke backwards. You spoke in the tongues of devils, like all these different things. And I'm like, totally freaking out. I'm like, wow, this is, this is way too, this is way more than I signed up for. Like, this is so weird. Mm. And I got never had anything like that from the enemy I, I, going up until, until that moment. Like I've only heard from God. So I closed my Bible, totally freaked out. And we're at this really big church. And I remember walking back into the, one of the, this, these random, I mean, this church has like 12 different main entrances. So I'm walking in cause I'm trying to go back and, and find, you know, where my stuff was. And as I'm opening the door, one of the guys that I was on the trip with, and I've, I've maybe talked to him, I don't know, like three or four times ever. I, you know, I knew his name. That was about it. I knew nothing about him. Um, I knew that his older sister was um, my future wife's family friend. That's all I knew. And while we weren't even dating, we were just, we were just buddies. And uh, so I opened the door and he is standing there. He's like pacing back and forth in this hallway and he, as soon as I open the door, he looks, he goes, Tony, I'm like, yeah, he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking, I'm like, in, in, in instantaneously, I get my, something happened to my mom. Why would he know if something happened to my mom? Like, why would, you know, I'm thinking all like the worst because right. something, I need to talk to you. I'm like, why do you need to talk to me? He's like, God told me to sit here and wait for you. And I'm like, what? Why would he tell you that? He's like, uh, so God told me to sit here and wait for you to tell me to tell you that you are, and he, this is like David Letterman's next show of the top 10 reasons why everything the enemy told you was wrong. So he goes, and he literally recanted every single thing that the enemy said. He said, you are, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You did speak in tongues. You, you didn't, you're not in a call. And he listed every single thing that, and, and I'm like walking back out the door and he's like, God told me to tell you to, to not, to not be afraid. I'm like, dude, like, this is really creeping me out. He goes, you're creeped out. He goes, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I hear God say, Chase, get up and walk. And he's like, what? And he's like, he's like, I'm looking around. Him. He's like, Jace, it's me, the Lord, get up and walk. He's like, oh, okay. And he starts walking. He goes, where am I going? He goes, I want you to walk down this hallway and I want you to wait in this entryway. Tony's about to come in here. And as soon as you see him, I'm going to give you every word that you need to say. 
So he says that, and I'm like, okay, this is, again, freaking out here. He's like, I'm totally freaking out too, man. I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me all this. I'm like, I'm going to go now. He's like, okay, me too. So totally freaked out. And then later on that night, I think our pastor was praying over me, and, and he was actually praying in the spirit. And, and after we were done, I was looking at him and I said, Hey, uh, how do you know how to speak Latin? And he's like, well, I don't speak Latin. I was like, no, you speak Latin. Hmm. He's like, how do you know I speak Latin? I was like, well, when you were praying over me, I was like, I knew it was Latin. He's like, wait, what? So again, I didn't know that there was, you know, there's two different types of tongues. There's the, there's the praying in tongues, which what I was doing. And then there's the gift of tongues and interpretation. Mm-hmm. He had the gift of tongues in that instance when he was praying over me. And I had the gift of interpretation. I interpreted every, I spoke fluid Latin. He was speaking hundred percent in Latin. And I, and I understood every single word that he said. And he's like, he's like, you, whoa, he's like, you, you actually understood. I was like hundred percent. And I explained, you know, I explained to him what, what was said and all that stuff. And he's like, man, that is so crazy. So yeah. I, and shortly after that about a month or two after that um i just started praying and i was like god where where do you what do you want me to do like i i, I need to serve like i want to serve and at this time i wasn't really doing anything i was just attending church because i mean i'm a brand new christian and i was just trying to be at church as much as i possibly could you know get in uh, as many services as i could try to help out wherever i could you know if somebody needed a table lifted or you know something like that and uh I remember we were going through 40 days of community by Rick Warren and they had asked me to help uh, lead the food ministry. So every table leader would, would sign up for a week and their group would bring in the food. Well, I'm kind of like a jokester and I like to tease people. I would tell all these little old ladies that were bringing all these snacks in that I had to taste all the pie and all the goodies and cookies before they went out to the table to make sure that nothing was poisoned. So these little ladies start bringing me all this pie and stuff. And, you know, they would sneak me extra bags of, of cookies and, you know, <laughs> but through all of that, I, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to be a, a youth leader. And I remember walking into to the youth pastor and telling him, I'm like, Hey, um, do you need any youth leaders? And he's like, dude, I need youth leaders so bad. So it's funny. There was about five or six of us that all started, excuse me, all started serving in the youth ministry unbeknownst to any of us nobody knew what we were doing we were all in young adults together none of us knew what god was calling us he called like five of us at the same exact time to start working in the youth ministry within a two-week time frame and we all started serving and uh just you know start that's that's where i got my start in serving and i didn't know like i knew god called me to be in full-time ministry but i i had a very different perspective of what that was Mm. Dude, there's so much I want to, and I'm actually putting down notes because I want to make sure to bring it <laughs> up. Uh, right, uh, calling was developed. Um, all right, man, because you've mentioned so much, um, and again, I, even as I'm hearing your 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 testimony, uh, my heart is stirred for the Lord, right? Because as I hear things uh, from you, Tony, um, there's parts of me that think, like, Lord, I want you to, I want you to. Sp- reveal yourself to me in that way. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that you were at the altar and you had this vision from God. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's very funny, the vision that he gave you because he knew how you would understand it. 
like it's it's like embarrassing to tell people it's like hilarious. yeah show me like a jar of peanut butter like you know imagine being your youth leader or someone like your leader hearing that like yeah the lord revealed peanut butter to me covering yeah. the world like i could like what like peanut butter are you sure yeah. right but he he revealed himself to you he came to you in a vision and even just the fact of that that simple act of worship right because there is something in in lifting your hands right not if oh, yeah. we think about it, it's this this sense of it's magical and it's this but in the sense of like what it's an act of worship right and what that happened what that meant so anyways as you're saying these things and even as the lord um you know brought this individual into your life to talk to you about uh, obviously several things but the thing that stuck yeah. out to me was about the baptism and the holy spirit and then how you had she told you you read the chapter and then you were like lord i want to receive this gift from you. Yep. I want more. And then you started speaking in tongues. Then mm -hmm. the enemy attacks you. And then yep. God sends this individual, like I, I believe you're on your way to try to leave. And he sends uh -huh. this person to go and talk to you. Like I hear these things. I'm just like, man, God, I just, I would love if you would reveal yourself. And the thing that stands out to me, it, several things, right? You can chime in wherever, um, yeah. was your posture of here I am. You mm -hmm. had this encounter with God. You're on a journey with him. But it was this, I'm going to pursue him. And I would imagine you were reading your word. Maybe you didn't know much how to do it. But you were on this retreat. You were praying. You were. It was this posture of here I am. And yep. it wasn't necessarily that you said, God, come to me in a vision. Like he did it. And I believe it was because of your posture of here I am. And so mm -hmm. for me personally and any person listening that thinks I want more, I, I want to encounter God in the way that Tony is saying. Right. And, and, and it doesn't mean that we put him in this box of if, if he doesn't talk to like reveal peanut butter to me or if he doesn't bring an individual, then God didn't speak. But it's God, whatever way you want to, all it was, it, it stirred my heart for you. Like yeah. whatever way you want to do that, stir my heart. And so I think it, first we need to have a posture of here I am, like seek him, have personal yeah. time with him. But then the other things, like to me it stood out that you asked and you simply believed. Mm -hmm. Like if it says it here, then why wouldn't I be able to have it? Absolutely. If it says I can be filled and it says I can receive the gift of speaking in tongues, like why wouldn't I believe that? And you just... Yeah. You believed, mm -hmm. and I, and I, it's an encouragement to me that whatever I see in His Word, like things that the disciples did, things that happened mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, things that happened throughout His church, things that God used Paul to do. Why can't I take His Word and go, Lord, if You did it, then do it now. If You did it for them, do it for me. Like ask and believe. It was. It, it stood out to me that that's what you did, and it encourages me that as we read his word, we can we can ask for these things. And it doesn't mean necessarily maybe, like, uh, we shouldn't be discouraged if we ask and it doesn't happen right in that moment. Like, continue to ask. I think Jesus even spoke about that, the persistency in asking, and he gave illustrations of that. And then uh, anywhere that you want to chime in after this, you're good. Um, calling, uh, your calling developed as you went on. Because yep. I think there's individuals, and it happened the same way for me too, um, but I, I think sometimes we want to put it in this box of like, as soon as we're called, we want it to happen. And I, I believe God does it that way sometimes, where he just shows you exactly what it is, when it is, yep. how it's going to be. And then other times, he just takes you along this journey of showing you along the way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what I saw too was your obedience to follow what he was leading you to do in your heart. Right. I think yeah, was, I think I think a lot of people, a lot of people want that when they feel called, it's like, oh, well, it has to be right now. And, you know, it took me it was 10 years from the time I got called mm. until I, I, I became um, 
uh, like vocational. So it was a 10 year gap when I was serving, volunteering, leading, um, you know, whatever. I was the worship leader for our youth group for like seven years. Um, I was a, a leader there, like, a um, you know, one of the one of the right hand man to the pastors. Um, I volunteered in children's ministry. Um, I, I, so I, wh wherever there was a need, I wanted to be plugged in because and I will tell you this. I really felt that I was supposed to be an evangelist. Mm. I felt called. I never felt called to be a pastor. So I felt like that I was supposed to be an evangelist. So I was I was. Um, uh, getting my credentials and stuff like that. And I was dragging my feet with that. And I felt like I was supposed to be an evangelist. Um, and I had a couple of youth pastors that would say, oh my gosh, you're going to be a youth pastor. You have such a father's heart. You're great at discipling. I'm like, no, I'm not a discipler. I don't have a father's heart. I love these kids. They're like, yeah, that's, that's a father's heart, Tony. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're mistaking my, 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 my obedience to serve in youth ministry because I want to help these kids and they kept, they're like, you know, shaking their head. Like that's, that's a father's heart, man. I'm like, no, cause I don't want to be a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. And they kept, they would like, I actually got in a heated argument with the one pastor. Cause I told him, I'm like, listen, if you tell me I'm going to be a pastor one more time, I'm going to freak out. Hmm. Like I'm not a pastor. I'm not called to be in pastoral ministry. So please stop saying that. And he just looked at me and he was like, bro, all I can say is what I see in your heart. And he goes, you are you have a pastoral heart. And, I, and I, I'm like, dude, stop, stop saying that. So I finished up my credentials. I finished up the last class. So I still had to get my interview and stuff like that. Finished up my last class. And three days later, the uh, children's pastor uh, called me and said, Hey, you know, and I had, he's been there. He was at that church for eight years. He was a kid's pastor at our church for eight years. And anytime he was away, like vacation or kids camp or whatever, he would call me and say, Hey, can you, I would lead worship for them downstairs. Or, you know, I preach downstairs all the time. So I was very familiar with their setup. So he called me and said, Hey, we, we've actually accepted a lead pastor position and we're going to, to, we're, we're going to head out to, you know, another state. And would you be part of the transition team? And I'm, you know, I didn't even have to pray about that. It was something I'm like, absolutely. You know, no problem. Um, you know, when do you need me? Are you want me to do it this Sunday? He goes, yeah, I'll give you the curriculum. If you could you actually be there next Sunday, that'd be great. I ended up doing two Sundays a month and that was the plan. I would do two Sundays a month and they had two other people that were going to fill in the other two Sundays until um, the new pastor would find or until they, until they found the new children's pastor. So the very first Sunday, you know, we're cleaning up. I made a big mess. You know, I, I'm just a messy person. I like to make messes because <laughs> it's just more fun. So we're cleaning up the mess. I'm like sweeping the floor or something like that and just putting everything back to where it was. And the assistant who used to, she was a children's ministry assistant. She's out here like, Hey, how did it go? I'm like, yeah, good. You know, and I've never known her for years. I've worked with her with, for years. And she, she says, you know, anything, anything crazy happened today. I'm like, no, no, just running the mill. It's all good. We're good. You know, I won't see you next week, but I'll see you the week after she goes, Oh my gosh, Tony. I'm like, what? She's like, you're going to be the next children's pastor here. And I looked at her and I literally busted out laughing right in her face. And I was like, there's not a snowball's chance in a microwave that I would be a children's pastor, especially like, I just, I'm, I know I'm not going to be the children's pastor. I was like, I'm so sorry. She goes, Oh, I'm just telling you what the Lord is showing me. And I was like, listen, buddy, <laughs> I know, I know. And here, here's the key word right there. 
I know mm. where I'm called. And I said that oh. to her. I said, I know where I'm called to be. And it's not a kid's pastor. Walking, I, well, I didn't walk into my car. I got into my car. I started my car. And I literally felt like I had a heart attack. I'm like, oh, my heart hurts so bad. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I dying? I felt like Sanford and Sonny's like, that's the big one, you know? And I literally thought I was having a heart attack. And I asked God, I'm like, God, am I dying? Like, is, is this it? Like, am I, I'm not ready to go yet. Like, I, I, I got, you know, I, I don't want to die. And he said, no, this isn't a heart attack. This is a burden for wow. children. And he goes, you are going to be the next children's pastor here. Out, you know, water wears. So I walk home or I didn't walk home. I drove home, get my, you see my wife and she goes, Hey, how did it go today? I'm like, good. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing's wrong. I just, I just don't understand something. And she said, well, what happened? I was like, Jamie, I, I think, I think God's calling me to be the kids pastor here at our church. And she looked at me and she goes, Oh, I know. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean you know? Oh, She's like, Oh, I've been telling you that for years. And I was like, wait, what? She goes, Tony, you are so good with these kids. They love you. Of course you're gonna be the kids' pastor. She's like, Of course. And I'm like, wait, you you don't even want to talk about this or like pray about this? She was like, No. She goes, Tony, I know that you 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 have always had that that pastoral figure, that father figure over these kids and the youth. She goes, Absolutely. She goes, Why wouldn't he call you to do that? And I'm like, wait, so everybody sees this. And I never saw that. And I asked God, I said, you know, I'm praying. I'm like, God, why? I, don't, I just don't understand. Like, if if you're calling me in the pastoral ministry, then why wouldn't I want to be a pastor? So in the God roundabout way of how he explains things to me or how, you know, how he, and he talks, to, he talks to everybody very differently. Mm. How he talks to me is very analytical. So what I understood was, because I was at that church, I had finished my credentials. Um, now I'm, I'm, you know, I have the the piece of paper, right? You know, I have, I'm about to have my credentials and opposition would open up in my church. Why wouldn't I just apply for that position? Right. And he goes, I needed you to know that this was me calling you and not a desire, just, just you filling out an application because there's an open spot. Hmm. He goes, I really needed you to know that this was me calling you into this position and not you just filling out an application because there was a vacancy. Wow. And I was like, wow. So I'm like, well, this whole entire time, I have always felt that I was called to be an evangelist. And he's like, I didn't say you weren't. You're just being a pastor. You know, pastors can be evangelical and be evangelistic, you know, and I have a very evangelistic approach to, to my pastoring and my teaching. You know, I want people to, to, to want to go out and share the gospel. I want people to want to go out and, and win. And like, I tell second graders, I'm like, man, you're in second grade. I always tease them. I'm like, well, you know, you're in second grade. You can't do anything for God. You're too young. And they're like, no, pastor Tony, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Cause second graders are world changers. Second graders can anybody, God can use any single person at any time if they are willing. So I know I do have a very evangelistic approach in my ministry, but knowing that like God literally called me to that position because he, he was like, I needed you to know that it was me calling you and not just you filling out an application for a, a vacancy. Now I've heard other people, they're like, man, that's, you know, I knew God called me to be a pastor and I knew God told me to go to this church and I knew I was going to be a youth pastor here. And I always knew that, man, it just, it's how it's, 
all the decisions that we make in our life shape us to become who we are. That's right. The, the reason, because of, I know that if I wouldn't, if he wouldn't have said anything, I would have put my application or something like that, because it would have just been the, the next step in my, in my, you know, journey with God into getting a, you know, staff position or something like that. So for him to be like, no, I needed you to know that this was me calling you and not just you filling out an application. So, oh, man. You know, what's interesting about that, too, and I, I didn't mention this to you when we were um, at your house, but uh, when I felt like I, the Lord called me into ministry, I felt like he said, you're going to be an evangelist. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. I felt like I was I was just stuck on that for the longest. Yeah. And even as I thought about ministry positions, I mainly thought about the ministry position one day leading me to evangelism because I yep. thought that's what the Lord spoke. So I made it more about you know, destination, I'm going to get there and not mm-hmm. necessarily about whatever journey he wanted me to, he yep. wanted to take me on. And right now I'm a pastor. We're associate pastors here at New Life. And really what the Lord's been teaching me is like, just, just walk the journey and yep. whatever it is I bring and whatever it is I lead you to do, just, just do it. I'll take you where I'm going to take you. And Tony, it could be one day he takes us to be evangelists. Like one day yep. we could end up being evangelists. And if he does, amazing. And yep. if he doesn't, and he just uses what we're doing, as evangelism, amazing, because it's not necessarily about the destination. It's just about, it's about him and it's about what he wants to do along the way. Like, okay. And and again, it's about the willingness to say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. Whatever you want to do, here it is. It's up to you. And I'll just, I'll follow you. I'll follow you, man. So I love that, man. Well, is there more to your testimony that you want to share? I wanted to like the cap on that point where where you were just saying, um, you know, I feel like um, the part of that, when you're an evangelist, you get a very limited audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going church to church to church to city to city to country to country, wherever you're traveling. You don't get a lot of people. You don't get it's, it's hard to invest in a certain person. Yeah. If God's calling me to be an evangelist, you know, being evangelistic, you know, because we may we might not always hear correctly right we hear what we think we hear but it actually and and the more time i've spent in pastoral ministry i am shaping pastors evangelists and equipping the next generation of people that are can 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 and will do a thousand times more than i could ever do on my own Mm. so if if i'm soaking the and and i've been pouring into these same kids for years and just loving on them and being available and, and encouraging them and praying with them and giving them opportunities to be evangelistic and pastoral and, and all these different, different aspects of, of ministry. What if that was really my call the whole entire time? What if, what if I misheard? Yeah. What if I didn't understand what exactly, I mean, yeah. Cause you're talking, I heard this as a three month old baby Christian there are so many things that I could have misunderstood myself or just that it wasn't the thing that I pictured it should be. If he says, you know, I'm calling you to spread the gospel all over the world. I don't necessarily have to leave my seat, right? We have, we're, we're, you know, we're doing a podcast right now. We're in two different States, yep. right? You know, I can preach to, I actually have had zoom calls with people in other countries. Come on. So, you know, we don't even have to leave our chairs anymore. 
So we have the technology. And so there are, I think there are, you know, for people that are listening, if you, if you heard something from God, it may not be exactly what you think it should be. It may not look exactly like you should be, but if you continue on in the journey, and that's the most important part. I was just sharing this with our kids last night, you know, uh, Bluey's big right now. You guys watch Bluey, right? Satnav, my my youngest, he'll I put the GPS on. He goes, Dad, is that Satnav? So satellite navigation, oh, navigation. Yeah. So he's like, is that Satnav? I'm like, yeah, Satnav, buddy. Satnav is gonna get us to where we need to go, even though it's like two miles down the road. I I just throw it on anyway. That's right. I'll get, you know, I, I want to make sure. I hate being lost more than anything. So throw on the sat nav and did you ever like you know you're sitting in your car and you're like oh shoot i need to figure out this address real quick you type in the address and it's like go west on pike street and you're like is that right or left and you're sitting and you're sitting at the stop sign and people are behind you and you get them seven beads of sweat start filling up your forehead and you're like which way do i go because i know if i go left it was it was supposed to go the other way i don't know which way is north or west or i the the roads these normal roads don't say unless you're on like a highway you know there's no way to know whether you're supposed to go west or east or north or south on on a on like a you know a country road or a regular road how do you know it it doesn't start um calibrating until you start moving yeah so you have to move before it starts calibrating where and knowing it knows where you are but it doesn't know the direction that you're faced and it doesn't start until you start going into that journey so I would tell people, um, I just had two two of my leaders for my Wednesday night um, my Wednesday night discipleship class for kids come up to me last week and say, "Hey, man, we really feel like we're called to to be youth leaders." And, and I'm not going to say I wasn't disappointed, like bummed out that they're not leading with me because they're awesome, they're fantastic young adults, they're so on fire for Jesus, and I loved having them there. But I would li- I would be a liar if I said I didn't sense that coming. Like I knew, I knew God was doing something, but I invited them to be a part with me and they, and they serve for several months with me and faithfully. And I mean, knocking it out of the park every single Wednesday night, doing above and beyond crushing it for me as leaders, you know, doing such a good job and knowing that they had to step into a ministry before God promoted them to their ministry. Does that, if that makes sense? Yep. You know, and, and I and I even got to share with the kids last night. I said, I'm I'm you know, I'm telling you now that you know they only have two weeks left with us, and then it's Christmas and starting in January, uh, you know, this couple is not gonna be with us anymore. They're gonna be down, they're going down to become youth leaders. And I said, as bummed out as I am that they're not gonna be here with us, I'm so excited that they're listening. And that's giving me the chills, man. They're so I'm so excited that they're being obedient and listening and that. God shaped their journey, but they had to move forward. They were obedient to the call. They knew they needed to serve somewhere, but didn't know what they were going to do. They were both, one's newer to our church and the other one just graduated college. So they really didn't have, they really weren't in any specific area. I invited them both in. They had a great time. And then God recalibrated their their GPS, right? Mm -hmm. And now is showing, I need you to go this way. So, you know, and that was, that was one of those things, like I was telling them, like, I'm so excited for both of you because I feel like you were good leaders. And I'm not saying that they weren't 
amazing because they were unbelievably excellent, like super high functioning, super high level leaders. But I think they are more equipped to go into the youth ministry program and be leaders there. And and I'm glad that God called them there because I believe that their skill set and their abilities are going to be um, used even more than they were with it when they were with me in the kids ministry. If it, I hope that all makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it does make sense. And I think hopefully that helps someone in a journey right now in a space of wanting to make a decision in a space of feeling like um, the Lord is leading them to something different. Um, I, I think it speaks to the ways that sometimes how, how we know that he's leading us into those places and you are a confirmation or them even taking that step out is going to begin to be confirmation for them. Yep. Like the Lord will begin to reveal to them even more so things while they're in that ministry. Um, but a lot of it is just, it's taking that steps of obedience to what the Lord is putting on your heart. Uh, so I appreciated yep. you sharing that, Tony. That's so good, man. Yep. Um, if it, and just to kind of wrap up our time today, yep. what's something that you would share um, to someone who's, who's, whether they're beginning that journey, they're they just recently started that journey. They're on their journey. They're they're on their walk with the Lord, and they want to hear His voice, and they want to follow what He's doing. They want Him to reveal Him Himself to them. Um, you know, speak to those individuals right now. And again, I, I think we should all be growing in our walk with Him. Speak to those individuals on that journey right now. What what's some you know key things I guess you would say to them? Yeah. Um. For one, enjoy where you're at. Don't don't look for something else. I, I heard uh, somebody say this one time. He said, "There's no there's no corporate ladder in the kingdom of God," and and don't look at as, as one ministry as saying, "Well, I'm just going to start here because I want to be in the big show." Wow. You know, I, I can't wait to be on the big stage or the big man. Every ministry is just as important as every ministry. Every ministry has its has its uh, uh, importance in the kingdom of God. Yes. Kids ministry isn't less important than youth ministry or, you know, singing on the worship team on Sunday mornings in big church isn't more important than than uh, helping a, a second grader color their paper. There's there's no more important part. So every part is valuable because if we don't function as the body, there's all different types of the body. So if we don't all function the way that we're supposed to, then the body gets out of whack. If everybody wants to run to one spot, then there's nobody working in the kids or youth ministry because they want to be in the in the other, the adult part of it. And then there's there's no future. There's no there's no church. There's no anybody coming up. There's no leadership development and nothing and church gets stagnant and church churches, you know, don't do well. Mm -hmm. So I would say to some that any enjoy where you're at. Learn everything that you can from anybody that is willing to teach you anything or lead you in any way. Listen, observe how people do it. Observe how leaders lead. Maybe it's something that you like. Maybe it's you're learning. I don't want to lead like that. And when I get a position someday or if I get something, I'm not going to do that. I have notes on things from pastors that I love how they did this, but I like doing it this way. Or I learned how not to lead in a situation. You know, learning what not to do is just as important as learning what to do. Mm -hmm. So take every opportunity of what you're doing and where you're serving. Take every opportunity to make yourself a better leader and listen to, be aware of your surroundings because things that can translate, if you're, if you're working in a specific ministry and you know, you know, you work in there for a while and you feel God transitioning you out, a lot of those times God was using that that time that you were uh, in that ministry as training ground for something else. And not because it's a step up or not because it's better, but because it's different. Yeah. Because as we continue on that journey, we grow as leaders and our influence grows. And you never know, you may be 
full circle back around to leading a ministry that you never thought you would be like I am. I never thought I would be in kids ministry. And here I've been pastoring kids ministry and next gen ministry for seven and a half years, almost eight years now, you know, so never in a million years, I, you could have, I could have, I don't bet, but I would have bet a million dollars that I would never be a children's or youth pastor. Wow. And I've been both, you know, so enjoy the journey, enjoy where you are, learn what, Anything you can from anybody who's willing to teach you anything, write it down, take notes, read leadership books, listen to podcasts, be a part of serving, serve with all of your heart, be the first person to grab a broom and a mop and clean up a table, because that goes a long way for people that are looking for people to develop. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for people that are willing to, that have a natural ability to lead, because it's so much easier to teach somebody that is, is willing to be taught then somebody that you have to say, hey, man, can you grab a broom? I know you you see this mess on the floor, like we talk about our pet peeves. Yeah. I know you see that mess on the floor, and I know you can see a broom right here. Do you think maybe you could sweep this up while I, you know, hold 3,000 pounds of everything? So <laughs> if you're if you're, if you're volunteering, man, be the, my dad always told me this, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And that whether that's your job, you're working at a job, and, and not only, you know, while I was, before I became on pastoral staff, I believe I was in full-time ministry. At my job, man, I, I, I got to pray with people every day. I worked in a doctor's office, and I got to pray with people every day. I got to give people hope. I got to encourage people when they were getting surgery and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, no matter where you are, you're always in ministry. That's right. If you're following Jesus, you're always in ministry. And you have to look, you, you don't actually, you don't have to look very hard for people that need hope. They're, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be that light and whether you're serving in a ministry or you're, you know, you're a nurse or a doctor or a gas station attendant, and you, there are so many opportunities for you to give hope and instill hope in people that need it. So look for those opportunities. They're not hard to find. You just have to be willing and available and God will use you. That's so good, man. You, you made me think of, there was one time I was in this room and there was a speaker and he said, hey, raise your hand if you're, uh, I think he said, called to full-time ministry or called to ministry. And those of us that were, you know, our understanding yeah. of it raised our hands. He's like, every single one of you that didn't raise your hands, you, you missed it. We're all called to yeah, ministry. Yeah, come on. If we're serving Jesus, if we, we are followers of Jesus, we're all called to ministry. No matter if one day you're called to be a lawyer, a police officer, a fireman, whatever, wherever you're going to be working at, you're, you're called to ministry. And yep. so that was a huge reminder for me that no matter where we're at, no matter what I'm doing, I think that goes along with that verse, do it as if unto the Lord, because it is for him. So wherever we're at, there's people to be reached, there's people to be loved, there's things that Jesus wants us to do, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to yep. do so to be open, available to listen. Man, and not everybody's called to work at a church, you know? Not everybody's called to be a vocational minister, mm -hmm. but we're all called to be ministers. Yep. That's right, man. That's right. Well, Tony, dude, I appreciate your time so much, and I'm going to ask you to end our time in prayer, but I, I appreciate your time, and I know and I know this, man, that God has not stopped speaking to you. Like, it didn't just he didn't just do it at the start of your journey. I think it's something that he does all throughout our journey. It doesn't mean it always looks the same. It doesn't always mean he's appearing to you in visions and showing you peanut butter surrounding the world. I, I'm going to remember that forever, man. Right. But he's still yeah. speaking to you. And that means he's still speaking to us. And it's up yep. to us to be, to listen, to position ourselves, you gotta to listen. hear him. 
right? Yep. And that's meaning reading his word, spending time in prayer, um, spending time with him. So would you pray for every individual yep. today? Again, those that find themselves and feel like they're super close to God right now, and those that maybe are like, I'm just getting yep. started with this whole thing. I'm not necessarily sure about all of it, but I know that God's doing something in me. Would you pray for each individual today? Yeah. Well, Father, uh, I'm just so thankful for your heart, and I'm so thankful that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God, I'm thankful that your presence is always with us, and as we are following after you, Jesus, that you would continue to speak to us, that we would be able to position our hearts, to prepare our hearts for you, Lord, that we would prepare the way of the Lord also. So, Father, I know that you are calling us right now to be able to prepare our hearts daily so that you can speak to us, because it is very hard. I know when we when when we as believers listen to the noise of the world. So, Father, I pray that it would be canceled out, that we would be able to hear your voice, that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to us daily, because we are preparing our hearts, and not only just preparing our hearts, but preparing the way of the Lord, just like John the Baptist did. He prepared the way of the Lord, and I believe that we are, it is becoming a calling to us right now as people who believe that we need to prepare the way of the Lord. We need to be out there preparing other people's hearts so that they can receive Jesus. So Father, I just continue to pray for people that are down on their on their on their time right now and they're they're not they're feeling like they haven't heard from you in a while that they would just pick up the Bible, read your word, God. Yes. Just spend time meditating on your word, praying back your word and allowing you to speak to them. Yes. God, yes. I know that sometimes we have those those dark nights of the soul where we feel like we're all alone. But God, I know that you are never you never leave us or forsake us. Father, I pray that you would begin to remind us of those scriptures that we have heard before and we have read before. Make them come alive again in our lives. Yes. Father, I pray that you would um, bless Pastor David, God, as he continues to do this podcast and, and everything he's doing there at New Life, Father, that you would bless this family, bless that church, because I know that they are they are a church that are that are hungry for your presence, Lord, and, and yes. want to see people changed, God, for you. So, Father, I pray for just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on him, his family, and his church body, God, that he would continue to just keep after you keep listening to you listening for you father and father i just pray for an increase in, in obedience to everyone listening here today that we would take whatever we're doing enjoy the journey enjoy the time that we have not look for another rung on a ladder to step up on lord but the to to be present yes. where we are in jesus name amen Amen. Man, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much uh, for sharing with us today, being personal. Um, man, we appreciate it. I believe so many are going to be impacted by this. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Share this with someone today. Love you all, and we'll see you next time.